Hi, this is Jason at Casper Alliance Church in Casper, Wyoming. Uh, thank you for listening to our teaching time from our Sunday morning worship gathering. We meet at uh, 2000 Casper Street in Casper, Wyoming. Our worship service starts at 11 o'clock a.m. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com. We also have an app that you can download on your phone or your smart device or your tablet. Search for Casper Alliance Church. Look for the double black C's, download and connect with us there. We do appreciate your uh, support and listening. We're beginning a new series today on spiritual disciplines. And the goal is to talk about how transformation comes by being close to Jesus and practicing the way he practiced his faith. Hope you enjoy. Have a great week. So discipline your life to reflect that behavior. <laughs> Turn with me to First uh, Timothy chapter four. So I've been, I've been sick. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not right yet. And some of you are like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you ain't right. You've never been right. You're never going to stop being right. Uh, and I talked about it a little bit. I, this was like three weeks ago, I woke up on Saturday morning just and the world was spinning, just super dizzy. And and it just never went away. Chris picked up the, the ball and kicked for me on a on a Sunday, preached with like an hour and a half notice. And then the next week I was like, I'm I'm gonna be there, I'm doing it. We have an annual meeting, I'm there, and my skin was gray and I looked like a mess and you know, it was a problem. I'm still not right. Like I'm wobbly still. Um, yesterday I was we're, I was helping Adrienne nail a couple things on our banister, and like I stood up and like I felt like I was gonna fall down the stairs, and the banister was there, and I grabbed it. And I'm gonna go to the doctor, and like you know, six weeks or something like that. That's when they could get me in. And I'm not worried, by the way. I'm just uncomfortable. So this last week I went to the gym. Again, because what ends up happening is I get like 80 days streaks of like 11,000 steps and then something happens to me like, I don't know, I get a stub toe or I have some sort of weak thing or in my frailty as a man, I get a cold and I'm down for 10 days. And so I, I, I didn't go to the gym. I gave my permission, myself permission to not go to the gym. I took my, took my watch off who reminds me every day to move every hour actually. I took it off because I didn't want the buzzes. Um, so I decided to put it back on and go to the gym on the 26th. And I'm on this, I'm on the treadmill, and like, I just start like, I, I can imagine if you're standing behind me, I'm like going like this on the treadmill, like walking side to side, and I'm just like, I'm just a little off, right? But there's a point in your life where you kind of just have to go. I'm not, I can't sit anymore. I need to get going again. I have to start moving again. I have to start doing things. I have to be, I can't just wallow on the couch or lay in the bed all day or, you know, just sit at my desk. I have to start moving. You have to, and you go, I want things to be different. Now you can't just all of a sudden be healthy because you wish yourself to be healthy. That's not how it works, right? But, but I'm not, I don't feel ill. I'm just a little wobbly. I'm not strong. My, I feel like I don't have my footing all the time. And so I just, I'm doing this because I know that it, it, in order for me to feel good about how my life is going, I have to exercise because it's really easy for me to eat cookies and forget to exercise. That's just, that's the nature of, 
uh, my current state in life. And so exercise, I value it. So I put it into my routine as part of my day. I don't have a time when I do it because I'm always wrestling to try to get it done before the Y closes at nine. So it's just part of my day. But when I got on the treadmill for the first time, I was like, oh, I'm back at it. Yes, I'm back at it. And I'm like trying not to fall off of it, but I'm back at it. And so I, I, kept, I kept, as the week went on, I got stronger and stronger and stronger. I felt better and better and better. The first time was just like, oh. and you know this, people who exercise, if you take like 10 days off, it's like the whole world resets. It's like, it's like you've never actually physically moved in your entire life. You're a jellyfish for the, and you're like, how to, like I was running two miles and now I can't even move without like having a heart attack. So my resting heart rate was down to like 60 beats, like in the beginning of December. Like I put my watch on, it's my resting heart rate's like 82 right now which is my, ma- my watch is just trying to calibrate, right? But here's the deal. Let's look at the text. This is about strengthening yourself. It's about disciplining yourself. I had to get back on the horse, so to speak. First Timothy 4, picking up at verse 6. Now, the, now again, Paul is, is giving a letter to one of his guys he's trained and developed and discipled and left to plant church, like lead churches. And this is one of his, one of his fellas, right? So he's giving, this is in, I'm, we're jumping in the middle of a letter about teaching him how to be a pastor, right? And we're taking a section of it out and saying, what does this section mean? And I think the, the heartbeat of it, uh, it can apply to whatever Timothy's facing, right? So here we go. Verse six, if you point these things out, to brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of the faith and good teaching that you have followed, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness, for the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason, we labor and we strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So, we're dropping in again to the, I know I'm taking this section, I'm taking kind of out of context, just a bit. We're dropping into the middle of it. Paul had just been teaching about demonic influence, worldly influence, but then coupling and saying, if you, you need to train yourself, you need to strengthen yourself, you need to focus in and strive, you need to discipline yourself towards godliness. The pursuit of God. The pursuit um, to, to be as, as holy as possible. To be like, uh, be like the image of Jesus Christ. How Jesus lived, we want to live like that. That's what Paul's teaching Timothy right here. There's all of this influence in the world. Here's how you can best be influenced if you strive and discipline yourself towards being godly. Okay, we're gonna, that's one text. I want to do one more text. First, uh, Second Peter. And then we'll, we'll pull this apart as our, like our overview for the discipline series that we're going to go through. Second Peter chapter one, verse three. And I think actually is, is this going to be talked about next week? Maybe Chris, does Chris use this in his, in his teaching? I, this is one of, if you've gone through discovery, this is like one of the discovery course verses. It's a fantastic verse on, on how to shape and encourage your life, right? 
So here we go. Second uh, Peter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Okay, so we're st- I'm going to keep reading here in a second, but I just want to break it down a little bit. So God's divine power, everything that God is, has given all that you need for this life, for this life. He's given you everything. Should have done it. That was very feminine the way I did that. He's given you everything. <laughs> I know how to throw. I know how to throw. It looked like I did it with my left hand. We will not submit to that. I can throw a ball hard. Well, I used to be able to throw it harder, but now my shoulders are a hot mess. What? It looked like I was throwing with my non-dominant hand. You ever done that before? It's not great. God has given you all, his power has given you all that you need, all that's required for this life, for this life, and for godliness. So Peter, again, not Paul, Peter is teaching, and he's coupling or matching or um, echoing, or even I would say, I would argue that Paul is echoing Peter. That's what I would argue. I have no way to prove it. I think that Paul learned a lot from Peter. A lot. So, but the theme here is godliness. Now, how does this happen? And why does it happen? Let's start with the why. For his own glory and goodness, right? So godliness and the life that you can live is not for you. I mean, it will benefit you, but really the core of it is for God's purposes. Now, again, Paul is teaching that through Ephesians. Because of God's divine purposes, he's structured the church and your life and the way in which you should live for his goodness and glory. Sure, it benefits you and gives you encouragement as you walk this planet, but it really is about the Lord. So it's about, it's about understanding your place, okay? Now, how does this happen? By these, he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of, the, of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. Goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, and endurance with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affections with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's like a, there's a flow chart, a workflow that Peter kind of gives. But the, 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 the desire here is that as you continue to receive the good things from God, his very great and precious promises, verse four tells us, you will be able to share in the godly nature that he has imparted on you. The fancy way to say that is the spirit of God. The fun way to experience that is next Sunday at our spiritual gift workshop. You will understand that the Spirit of God has bestowed all believers with some sort of way to participate. You're without excuse. But in our walk with the Lord, you get to partake in the divine nature because of God's promises. And the promise, this is what's fascinating. The promise is to remove you from the corruption of this world. 
so that you can escape all the things that taint or tarnish or destroy humanity. And to transform your desire. See, Paul, Peter's saying here that we have this evil desire and the world corrupts and actually exponentially increases that evil desire. But as you get closer and closer to the Lord, that desire goes from evil to spiritual and holy. And how does that happen? By adding to your faith, goodness, by adding to your goodness, knowledge, by adding to your knowledge, self-control and self-control endurance and endurance godliness godliness brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love there's a flow chart the the benefit or the product that comes from that is a removal from the influence and corruption of the world and from your evil desire to become holy desire. Have you seen that in your own life? I think you can all answer that, probably those who've walked with the Lord. I know 21-year-old version of Jason versus 47-year-old version of Jason. The desire is different. The want is different. I don't attribute that to my own ability. That's transformational from the Spirit of God by adding to it goodness and understanding, knowledge and self-control and endurance, sustainability, godliness, being close to the Lord. Okay, here we go. We're gonna land the plane here. So what does this have to do with spiritual discipline? So Paul is teaching Timothy, you have to train, equip, discipline yourself, strengthen, strive. Strive towards godliness. That's the end game to be, now we're, we're assuming that you love Jesus and you've committed your life to Christ. So we're supposed to discipline ourselves towards godliness. Tom Landry, part of the, uh, one of the coaches of the evil Dallas Cowboys who just, I guess, are not just America's team, but the NFL's team now. And Tom Landry is a believer, by the way. Anybody know Tom Landry? You know who I'm talking about? If you raise your hand, if you know who Tom Landry is. Wow, sports crowd. Iconic Dallas Cowboys coach, right? He loved Jesus, but he accepted Christ later in life, like 35, 36 years old. But he said this. The job of a coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted. That's the job of a coach. To make people do what they don't want to do so they can have what they actually want. Spiritual disciplines are the same way. We do things that we don't really want to do so that we can be who God's called us to be. It's not always fun to pray and to fast and to have solitude and to be silent and to give or to gather at church. I mean, some Sunday morning is really easy, just like, you know what? Bedside Baptist is what's calling me. I'm going to stay home and watch American Gladiators. Anybody, nobody's 47 and tried to skip church to watch American Gladiators? I used to try when I was eight years old. I'm sick, Dad. Gathering for church isn't always the most fun. Sometimes it's inconvenient in our minds. Spiritual disciplines are doing the things that we don't really want to do to become who Jesus has called us to be. Jesus modeled them. 
in uh, probably one of the more prolific books written on spiritual disciplines called The Spirit of Disciplines. Uh, Dallas Willard wrote this. Spiritual disciplines' central claim is that we can become Christ-like by doing one thing, by following Jesus' overall style of life that he chose for himself. If we have faith in Christ, we must believe that he knew how to live. We can, through faith and grace, become like Christ by practicing the types of activities that he actually engaged in, by arranging our entire lives around the activities that Jesus himself practiced in order to remain constantly with God the Father. So if you were to think, and we're going to walk through this, so we're going to go through these disciplines, and then we're going to go through the beginning part of Mark, and you're going to see Jesus begin to shape his life around spiritual disciplines. He retreated to pray. He took times to fast. He practiced self-control. He gathered with people in the synagogue. He grew in wisdom and understanding of the scriptures, the Torah. When we look at Jesus' life, he modeled them. He demonstrated how to live as a human. And you're like, no, no, that's God. So he's, he's God. And like, he lived as a human, which means you can do those things. He prayed. He fasted. He worshiped in public. He read the Bible. He served. He spent time alone. He did all of these things. Now, I, 25 times in the gospel, we read about Jesus actually praying. 25 times. You're like, that's not that many. That's a lot. Have you prayed 25 times this week? Jesus modeled the discipline. So when we inspect Jesus' life, we get to look at how he lived, and that is the way in which we should live. Okay, last little thing. As we walk through these spiritual disciplines, and I, we have, um, uh, it's going to be, I think we call it study, prayer, service, giving, gathering, Solitude and silence. Those are the ones, but there are piles of spiritual disciplines. I mean, you can, I mean, there's just, there's books and books and books on spiritual disciplines. We're going to attack just a, a few that I think you can easily access every single week in your life. Okay. Your spiritual formation, this is my, if you're writing anything down, you can write this down. Your spiritual formation is dependent on your desire. Are you keeping company with Jesus in your life? So we all live in the space between wanting to change and not being able to change and not being able to change through our effort alone. And it's hard. We live in this kind of like purgatory of I want to be different, but I can't be different because I'm lazy. Or I want to be different and I can't be different because I'm tired. I want to be different and I can't be different because I screwed up too much in my life. I want to be different and I can't be different because I don't know how. I want to be different, but I can't be different because, and you can fill in your blank. Because we have, everyone has that filled in blank. And spiritual formation, your spiritual formation, your discipleship, your transformation to be more like Jesus in your life is completely dependent on your desire. This is what Peter's saying. This is what, Paul, what Timothy is being told by Paul. You're being close to God, being uh, pursuing godliness has everything to do with whether you have evil desire or godly desire. This is why, now, let's do not, do not take what I'm saying the wrong way. We are not a legalism, legalistic-driven church. But this is why we say expect more. That's one of our values here. 
When I say expect more, do you desire more from God? Do you desire to be different because the spirit of God is in you and you're pursuing him? See, I had to get off of being lazy and go to the gym because I don't want to be 280 pounds. I want to be 132 pounds. <laughs> I want to be five foot four <laughs> and 125 and scary. Now, I want to be 190 pounds is what I want to be. That means I have 90 pounds to get there. It's not going to happen by me wishing for it. It's going to happen by me desiring to be different, which is going to change everything in my life. It's going to change maybe the way I eat. It's going to change what time I go to bed. It's going to change how I interact with the YMCA. It's going to change what, what I do, even what I input from like, a, from like a, a media standpoint. It's all, uh, all of it matters. And so your spiritual formation, my spiritual formation, it's dependent on what you desire. If you want to be close to the Lord, you, will, you need to desire to be close to the Lord. And then you'll begin to do things that put you close to the Lord. Now, understand that spiritual brownie points were not legalistic. Spiritual brownie points, they're not, that's not a discipline. It's not like going, you're not like ringing up uh, things in heaven saying, nope, yep, my guy, he read the Bible today. My gal, she prayed a little bit today. My guy, he gave some today. That's not how it works. This isn't about, about running a tab with God. To where he continues to go, whoa, good one, good one, good one. It's not about having a passing grade with him. He loves you. He loves you so much he sent his son Jesus to die for you. That's the ultimate expression. He sacrificed his most prized uh, possession, his son Jesus, to die for you. You should not have to question whether or not he cares or loves you. But do you want to be close to him? Do you want to know him? Spiritual disciplines put us in a place where we can begin to notice God and respond to his spirit in us. Are there times in your life where you just don't even, you're not even aware that God is doing things or he's around, not even involved, absent, taking a break. He's hanging out in the Caribbean. He's on a cruise. God's just chilling out. He's not. We don't notice him. We're not listening we're not putting ourselves in a position to hear him. You have to discipline yourself. That's a you problem, as one of our uh, high school students says. It's a you problem, not a me problem. Your spiritual formation is based on your desire. We expect more. So how do you test that? I'm going to invite the worship team up. Do you ache for change in your life? Do you hurt to be different? Do you hurt to have relationships reconciled? Do you hurt to, 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 be, to be at peace? Do you hurt? Do you ache to know more? That's it. And if you don't, if you're not, if you're not aching for that, your desire is what I would say Peter is talking about, is, is probably flipped on the fulcrum of evil more on the fulcrum of godly. That's not, I mean, we can inspect each other's lives and our community can do that with each other, but that's a, that is the litmus test for you. 
If you wonder why your spiritual formation is stagnant, why you're not growing, why you're like feeling a little disheveled, why things aren't like in like moving the way, like towards Lord. Now, again, I'm not saying that it's life is going to be easy or good. That's not what we're talking about here. But I tell you, as you know the Lord, as you grow in him, as you put yourself in proximity to Jesus in relationship, it might not be easy, it might not, but you are at peace. And this is what the, all of the writers say. There is a shalom that comes over you when you are in the presence of God. And how do you get into the presence of God? You either die and go to heaven or you spend as much time on this ball being as close to heaven as you can, which is being with God's people, with, which communicating with him, which reading his word, which serving because he's called you to serve, which send, spending time in silence and solitude, waiting to hear from him. This is disciplining your life so that you can be as close to heaven while you're moving around 365 days a year, waiting to go to heaven. But you can be transformed now. Amen. Our part is to offer ourselves regularly, obediently to God. God then works in us to do only what he can do. Please don't mistake my words. This isn't your effort, it's your desire. When we talk about effort and that you have to do and do and do, all of a sudden you're like, I have to jump through this hoop and jump through that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about desiring the presence of God, godliness in your life, so that only he can do what he can do, and that's transform you. If we don't take part in disciplining our lives, we will miss out. We will miss out on the calling that we read about in Ephesians. We will miss out on the benefit of living the Christ-centered life. We will miss out on the deeper things that God offers, which again, I think is one of the most important things is peace. This shalom that should wash over us, that, that um, you don't care what 2024 brings, because you have Jesus. Like, that 2024 is the end of the world because it's chaotic out there, and 2024 is gonna be the most amazing year we've ever had. That, those things don't match. But guess what? Shalom, peace of God that transcends all understanding, washes over those who are close to him. So regardless of the axis of evil, and the financial world, and all of the things that could cause us stress, I'm, I'm suggesting that as we discipline our lives towards arranging our activity around being close to God, peace is the fruit of that. And it will cause you to live with joy that doesn't make sense. It'll cause you to change your relationships that, and that doesn't make sense. It'll cause a redeemed person to re re live a redeemed life.